0: Well, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rad Race, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Anthony Faso and Cameron Christensen. Uh, They're the founders of Infinite Wealth Consultants, and they're hosts to the Infinite Wealth Podcast, as you can see in their backdrop. Anthony was a U.S. Army veteran and self-described recovering CPA. Uh, Anthony has worked at the world's largest accounting firm and served as CEO of a chain of restaurants. Uh, However, they both realized, like in 2008, that the solution to financial freedom would never be found in the latest Wall Street created financial product. As they were discovering that the new path to financial freedom or financial independence would look like uh, he was also they were also teaching and coaching individuals and business owners about money. Uh, So uh, Cameron and Anthony, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Eric. Thank yes, you. Thanks for having me. I us kind here. of screwed up a little bit on the uh, uh, ad lib on on the intro. I'm sorry, but um, still, I think it was pretty good. Uh, so Anthony yeah, yeah. and Cameron I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> why don't he you thought it was great? <laughs> why don't <laughs> talk you... about him? <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, so uh, anyway, like stick around, guys, because also Anthony and Cameron they they have like a, a great offering that they're going to send a, a very special link to the listeners. People who are patient enough to listen all the way to the end. Uh, but uh, as you can see, I mean, we're going to have a, a good time talking to uh, to both of these guys. Uh, Anthony, Cameron, tell us more about kind of like your, uh, who you are, Infinite uh, Wealth Consultants, what do you do and how many clients you have and all that kind of stuff.
1: I would say... With with infinite wealth, we 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 combine the teachings of Robert Kiyosaki's "Rich Dad Poor Dad" with with the teachings of uh, Nelson Nash with uh, becoming with becoming your own banker okay. kind of like what you had described. Cameron and I both discovered, both realized, learned a lot the hard way in two thousand eight. Of relying on Wall Street and relying on others to build our wealth. And yeah. we learned that there had to be a better way. There had to be something different. Because in 08, I saw my tax practice, most people got punched in the gut. Yeah. But there was a few people who did very well. In fact, they excelled during that time. Yeah. So we approached them. What are what books are you reading? Like, how are you prepared mentally for this? when everybody else was just drinking the Kool-Aid and what assets are you buying? Where are you storing those assets? So that was kind of an enlightening to us. And so we started practicing like the infinite banking and, and incorporating rich dad, poor dad. And then we, we eventually turned it into a business and we, Cameron and I had both had worked at a firm. I started about a week before Cameron did <laughs> and I took him under my wing and <laughs> mentored him. Um, <laughs> and we were there and we learned, we learned a lot. And eventually we kind of wanted to spread our own wings, wanted to help people and make a bigger impact. So we left to start our own firm, yeah. Infinite, Infinite Wealth Consultants. And if anything, I'd say that we are a boutique financial services firm. If you, if you got to put us in, 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 in a category, yeah. but our goal is to work with people, find out what their goals are. Mm-hmm. Right, and what is their why, and then we help them achieve that financial freedom. Mm-hmm. And it's not by here write us a check and then come back in the next quarter, next year, and we will tell you how well we did. It's we want people to be financially independent, yeah, not just dollars, but more importantly, sense as financial sense. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to tell them what what to do. We're going to educate them on the options on on what they can do. A lot of people don't realize what's possible Mm -hmm. because they just think Wall Street is and their 401ks are the only option. But 401ks are not really that old. I mean people were building wealth Mm -hmm. for centuries. Yeah. And we're trying to incorporate and teach those lessons to to our listeners.
0: Yeah. I mean the previous generation, I mean my father had like defined benefit pension
2: plan. You know,
0: I was I was in a I was doing a presentation in L.A. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, I was asking people, anybody know about defined benefit pension plan? And it has been erased from the uh, from the society's memory. People don't know about that anymore. And then when I told them what it was, they're just like, "Wow, that's amazing!" <laughs> you <laughs> know how much money, and the company will be funding that to make sure that you have at the end, like about 50% of your final salary uh, as retirement that would be indexed with inflation. It was just like their their mind was blown. But all of that is gone now, unless you work for the government or you work for a union in a union environment.
1: Inter- you this know, Eric, much- what is interesting on there, what they did is they took the, the burden or the risk yes. from the company yep. and put it to the employee yep. without the proper education. So people yeah. don't know what to do or what their options are did you read my book this is exactly
0: what <laughs> oh, okay. No, Lee, this absolutely. is my big thing i was an actuary before
1: and oh, so i wow.
0: i did my job was converting all these defined benefit pension plan into defined contribution pension plan oh, every day i wind down these pension plan that's all i did uh that's the big well, thing
1: Eric, I, I know we're going to put the book on our list for sure. And I'm glad you shared that because normally CPAs are the driest, <laughs> right? And the most analytical, but then the uh, actuaries. There's even a
0: drier one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Anthony's the life of the party at an actuary meetup. <laughs> that's right.
0: Yeah. The last thing you want to do is go for, go for dinner with an actuary and a CPA. So that's going to be, it. Yeah. you'll never I know. To- I
3: don't know what I'm doing here. Get me out of here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But I mean, this is absolutely true. I mean, imagine you're you're working and um you were working for a company, the company is on the hook, they have a team of uh, professional that is investing the money, they're making sure that they're it's funded properly to uh, to make sure that you have the correct amount in order to have uh the uh, the pension that they mm-hmm. they they promise you would have. And uh, they're calculating all that and uh, they're managing all that. And now all of a sudden they put all the money said you know what, we're going to give you, uh, instead, we're going to give you $200,000, you know, and good luck. And you have in 20 years, you're going to be able to retire, hopefully. And of course, people are not equipped with that and they don't have time to do that. So this is... Uh, okay.
3: Eric, as you were looking at, did you have an opportunity to see what type of accounts those companies were investing in on behalf of those particular (laughs)
0: clients? Well, most of them, most of them were investing in themselves, of course, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: We've looked at that, right? And uh, if someone's setting up a pension plan, right, uh, typically what they're going to be investing in is something very safe and secure. And so Mm -hmm. typically those underlying assets are insurance products Mm -hmm. and annuity products. Mm-hmm. right and so part of our messaging is listen those same products still exist yeah right that pension or that safety net that people are now missing the same products are out there it's just now up to you to go out there and do it on your own and so that's part of what we message or part of our messaging as well
0: mm-hmm. okay okay you so, know what I think um, is yeah in 2008 i'm oh, sorry go ahead
1: no I, I think what is interesting everybody got rid of the private industry got rid of pensions Right. And they took that burden, gave the employees, except for the government. Now the government has taken on that burden. And which is if you have a pension, man, that is amazing. It's very difficult to to have an asset that's going to be as secure. Well, on paper, but Mm -hmm. the problem I think people are going to have with those pensions, they sound great. Mm -hmm. Most of those pensions are underfunded. Yeah. That's right. They're underfunded when the stock market's at an all-time high. Yeah. How are they going to do when this next little period that I, I think that we're in now, where those returns will be less or maybe even zero? So mm-hmm. even if you have a pension, I, you owe it to yourself to look at some other areas because that pinch. hopefully it's there. I really yeah. hope it's there for you. But if it's not, you're, you got to be responsible. You got to take some time. And start having a backup plan.
0: Yeah, exactly. A lot of these pensions are still under uh, underfunded, especially with the, you know these these fund these pension plans. I mean, they invest in in the stock market, and uh, they also invest you know in blockchain, uh, in Bitcoin and stuff like that, because Wall Street legitimized that as a as a real investment. And um, so, you know, this is kind of like, this is what's going on. Of course, uh, if you're following the stock market, it's gone down since the beginning of the year. So, so is your, the fund that is securing your pension plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing is that these companies are on the hook to, um, you know, to provide that pension for you. So somehow, you know, when they're looking at that, if it's underfunded, they have to come up with a plan on how to get it funded back again. Um, So that could put some strains on the company, obviously, because sometimes, you know, they have to write a big check or they uh, Mm -hmm. at the end of the year to fund and have a plan to um, to get it back to normal. Um, So, yeah, so that's kind of like the the situation there. But you're right. I mean, because the stock market went down, then, yeah, a lot of these pension plans, uh, they were they were actually underfunded before the uh, before the the stock market coming down this year. But, yeah, it's even worse now. Um, so I am a little bit worried from that perspective, but uh, not as worried as people that have invested their money in a 401k. So can we talk about that about the 401k and um, and see what what is this product? How is this product something that helps people achieve financial freedom? Or retirement. (laughs) Retirement at any point.
3: (laughs) Well, you teed it up for me, Eric. I would tell you that it's not something that uh, really helps someone get ready for retirement or even approach financial freedom. If you look at the way 401ks are set up, really what it's doing is it is increasing somebody's risk and it is decreasing the amount of control that they have over their finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you look at kind of the way that that product works is typically somebody will start in <clears throat> a career industry, whatever it is. And 30 days later, HR pulls them in and says, Hey, we got a great opportunity right for you. You can start saving or investing in a 401k plan. Mm-hmm. And so people start putting money into that product. But really we've already touched on this is they have no idea what any of those underlying assets are yeah. or what that portfolio was made up of. And so it is literally just blindly, putting money into an account. And so what happens is people kind of do that. And what hands up happen is that 401k, 401k kind of takes position A in someone's kind of retirement plan. And yeah. they look up five, 10 years later. And when they look up a bulk of what they've saved for retirement or just saved in general is actually an account that has got a lot of uh, prohibitions or a lot of restrictions on it, right? Yeah. We can't actually touch that money. Yeah. And so now what they're forced to do is they're forced to turn around. And if they have some sort of life instance, right, they're borrowing money, they're putting it on credit exactly. cards, exactly. right? Yeah. And so now they're subject to a double whammy over here on this side is they're subject yeah. to restrictions, losses, and then over here, they're paying high interest rates on credit cards and those types of things. And so, yeah. right, that would be one point as far as just looking at 401ks and kind of how they set somebody up for uh kind of failure, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, part of it is that it's the illusion that, you know, when you will retire, yeah. and um, you know, most people don't, I think like 50% of the people don't retire when they thought they would, they retire actually earlier than they thought they would. Because as you mentioned, is there like a health issue, having to uh, take care of a family member uh, mm-hmm. or a late career layoff, right? Where they have to, you know, they were, they were laid off at 55 and then they were trying to find another job. And of course, You know, it's very hard at that age to kind of find a job that's going to pay as much as what you were making uh, the previous job. So a lot of people are taking like very deep pay cuts. And so they want to supplement the the rest of the income. And so they're going to turn to their 401k. But now they're before 59 and a half that they're going to have. They can take money out, but it's going to they're going to pay penalties. And then their whole plan is kind of like shattered at that point.
3: Yeah. I, I was just going to add right in there in 2011, if you look at it, right, is uh, I think we're in a recession right now. And if you look back at the last one that we were in 2008, 9, 10, right, is people tapped into their 401k reserves and it was 50 by the tune of $57 billion is what they took out. Right. And again, yeah. right. That's not a core right, plan. Yeah. They're supposed to leave it in there. And so not only did they take that money out because they had to pay penalties and taxes on top of that, which absolutely destroys any sort of quote-unquote plan
0: yeah and yeah then, well the, the plan was that they would you would be able to take some money out without any penalties just to uh if you had uh, if you're in distress or something like that
1: yeah. you know one people don't re- everybody most people assume we're going to be in a lower tax bracket when they retire and i would t- i've seen and to be honest that's what i thought too yeah. And so I started doing taxes for people who had retired. And the problem is, you know, when we're working, our biggest tax deductions are our kids and the mortgage interest. Mm-hmm. When we're retired, I mean, hopefully the house is close to being paid off and hopefully the kids aren't still living with you. Right. Mm-hmm. But even if they are, you're not going to get a tax deduction. So we're losing our two biggest tax deductions, but yeah. then 401k is taxable. IRA is taxable. Social mm-hmm. Security is taxable. I mean, so even if tax brackets are the same, you might be in the in the same tax bracket just because we've lost deductions, mm-hmm. and that's assuming taxes are the same. Yeah. I mean, how you see how much money that we are spending more than we're taking in. The national debt is just simply <laughs> out of control. Mm-hmm. How are they going to rein it? I mean. The government can do it by one to two things. Well, cutting taxes. um, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, raising taxes or cutting spending. Yeah, the government does a terrible job at cutting expenses. Terrible. It's almost oxymoron. Mm -hmm. But so they're going to have to raise taxes. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. but, and one of your your question, Eric, was how can you use a 401k for passive income? Is there any
0: situation where a 401k would be a useful tool? I'm setting you up.
1: You you, you are setting me (laughs) up. but
3: I'm hesitant. What I would say without sounding uh, derogatory in any way, right, is uh, there's typically two types of people out there. They're W-2 employees and then there's entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. right? Entrepreneurs, there's not, 401ks do not work for them in any way whatsoever. They're looking at producing. They're looking for investments. They want to manage their own money. What I would say is that if I'm honest, a 401k is a good fit if somebody has that W-2 mindset, right? Hey, I want to go to work. I want to check in at nine. I want to check out at five. I don't want to manage my finances. I want to outsource that to somebody else. I'd say it's a great fit for somebody, right? Have somebody else manage that for you and then just kind of put it on autopilot and you're set. Mm -hmm. But typically, those are not the people that we're talking to or the people that we're working with. Is What we're working with is the entrepreneur, somebody that's looking to create cash flow and income now today. Yeah,
1: and Eric, Eric, one of your questions were, can you use a four hundred one k to create financial freedom?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the question is, well, how do you define financial freedom?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we just dis- we define it similar to Robert Kiyosaki, where your passive income mm-hmm. is more than your monthly expenses, mm-hmm. or we like to say we want I want my pie to be bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And if that's the goal, we need to put our money in places that are going to create passive income yeah a 401k is build hopefully build a net worth but we can't live off that we need to buy assets that are creating passive income yeah yeah and
0: then um just to uh put the final nail on that 401k thing um to me the only there are a couple of situations right so if you're a millennial right now and you're thinking about putting money in the 401k the only way that i would do this is if there was some kind of contribution matching with my employer so you obviously are a w2 employee and then you have so you make a hundred percent return you know you if you if they match your contribution so that's fine and then but then the plan after that if you have that money in that 401k the plan would be to as soon as you can to take that money into a, a 401k a self-directed 401k that you can invest in in real estate um, so that would be kind of like my my recommendation
1: <laughs> eric you, you kind of raised a little hot button with us we maybe not a okay. hot button but what we found is a lot of people a lot of times they're in their 20s and 30s and they're working and they're putting money in their 401k and then when they start to realize of creating passive income and the amazing advantages of real estate oftentimes well they they're going to buy assets where the money is right and the money is locked up in the 401k mm-hmm. yeah. so it, w- the what is great about real estate I mean is the ability to leverage creating that 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 cash flow and the tax advantages
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh the difficulty is when it's locked up in a self-directed IRA, we're going to lose some of those. Yes. We're going right. to lose the tax deductions because and O&M also is
0: the... already a tax advantage account. Yeah. And now you're taking deduction potentially on that. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and the ability to leverage is going to be a little bit less, right? Because if you get right, a yes. mortgage mm-hmm. on a self-directed IRA, yeah. you can't co-sign. I mean, so there's more risk to the bank, so yeah. their interest yeah, rates the going to be to higher. Value,
0: yeah, lower loan to value ratio. Yeah. yeah,
1: and what you know, what we like to say, Eric, is that we do the math. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of these theories, and they all sound great, but we want to do the math to make sure that the numbers work. And what we we actually did was we did the math. And what if you had uh, a hundred grand in your self-record IRA and Mm -hmm. we we bought a house with a hundred grand. Yeah, And then we also took the money out, paid a penalty and taxes of 50%. And then we bought a house, say for 50 grand. Yeah. But what was it? Then we did the math over the next couple of years. When you take into account the tax advantages particularly when you sell that asset yeah, you know yeah. it's a long-term capital gain outside an ira inside it's taxed at the highest rate mm-hmm. when you take all that into account it actually makes sense and it, this is hard to comprehend but we got the math take that money out pay the tax and really you know,
0: okay wow okay I, I actually did, more- i actually did not do the math on that one i was kind but- of like Back of the envelope math for me. Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what? And which is great, right? But is it a great way to start? And then mm-hmm. we need to kind of throw it into calculator and really do the math. And uh, we we do have a video on this. Eric, if oh, it's yeah, okay, maybe are you, email yeah, if you can the Send link. me the link,
0: we can definitely yeah. add it to the uh, to the list. My my plan with the 401k to in, to invest in uh, in real estate, you wouldn't sell you wouldn't sell the real estate even to take it out so the your 401k when invest in an LLC mm-hmm. that the the LLC buys the property. Mm-hmm. over time you shift a portion of the membership that's a taxable event, a portion of the membership to yourself as a person out of the 401k so that way you control the flow of funds outside the 401k the flow of funds
1: you know we should talk I, I like that idea. I mean, that's kind of somewhere in between and maybe we can manage. Yeah, the because if you better. have to
0: sell the property inside the 401k and then take the money out, that's, this is a horrible, idea. terrible. Yeah. 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 I agree. Awesome. So, but that's that. I'm glad you did the math on that. That'd be fantastic. And then we'll put that in the video, in the show notes and stuff like that. But now let's talk about the plan now. So we talk about all the problems, <laughs> <laughs> that, what you shouldn't be doing and, uh, <laughs> So let's talk about what they should be they should be doing. What people uh, the listeners out there um they're working and uh, some of them have some 401k already, some of them have a little bit of money set aside. So how do they how do they achieve financial freedom in the next 10, 15, 20 years?
3: Yeah, great question Eric. What we talked or what we refer to this as kind of the cash cycle for investors. Right, this is typically what people are doing. Is people have income, and what they'll do is they'll take that and they'll start stacking it up in sort of in some sort of account. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario is we start with the end in mind, right? Is like, hey, what do we want? And if that's financial freedom, that's great, right? Cash flow and those things. But a lot of times, that's typically not what's happening, right? Yeah. So people will start putting different accounts. So what I'm saying is that, hey, let's listen. This is what people typically do when they're looking to invest in real estate, and that's why it's for investors, what they'll do is they'll take the income and they start stacking it up inside a checking or a savings account. Yeah, And the reason that they do that, Eric, you know, is, is because it's safe and it's liquid, right? They can come back for safe. it whenever they need it. But
0: they think it's safe. That's the problem. <laughs> it's safely... Decreasing in purchasing power. (laughs) I I couldn't
3: agree with you more. Absolutely right. They have. I know what you mean. You feel you feel like the
0: money, the numbers stay the same. I put it in a bank account, and the numbers is there and consistent over the years. Yeah. They like
3: to look on their phone and they like to see that account right in the app. Is That's like right. The no, number no. in the app is really why they do it. Yeah, no. yeah, I was
0: being facetious, but yeah, yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, yeah. So they put it in there because it's safe and it's liquid. Yeah. But what they're really doing is they're just in between investments. So they're saving up to hit some sort of threshold. Yeah. When people hit that threshold, what they do then is they take the cash out of that account. And then what they do is they go and they make that investment. Best case scenario, right? Anthony had already touched on his passive income the best investment that we recommend is something that produces some sort of cash flow. Yeah. Monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever that looks like and that cash flow has got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so what people typically end up doing is they end up putting it right back into that same savings account. Yeah. And they just stack it up again until they have hit some sort of threshold. Yeah. And then that cycle just continues.
0: Yeah.
3: Eric, what we're suggesting and recommending to clients is they're really missing one really simple step. First thing is we don't want to change what people are doing over here on the investment side. So if somebody likes multifamily, great. Go do multifamily, continue to do that. If somebody likes uh, long-term rentals, great, right? Continue to do long-term rentals. Really what we're going to introduce them to is really just changing the place or the account in which they keep their cash. Yeah. And what we're going to change it to is we're going to change it to a properly designed insurance policy Mm -hmm. that is structured for cash. So yeah. this is not the traditional policy that you know yeah. your mom and dad had this is a very specific policy mm-hmm. but it's designed for cash and if we do it appropriately we still have the same benefits we've got the safety yeah right we've got the liquidity we've got the access but additional benefits are numerous but the two that I'll highlight here number one is we're going to get a much greater return mm-hmm. right and we've got creditor protection And the last thing is that we can access or utilize uninterrupted compound interest in our favor. Mm -hmm. And so now, not only when we take that cash and start stacking it up in that account and we move it into the investment, our dollars are going to be working in two places for us, Mm -hmm. the investment that we would have had, but also in that same account, right, that policy that we borrowed against. And so when you look at the efficiency and you run out the numbers, right, we're big fans of doing the math, we're going to end up with way more money at the end of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah so that that threshold but even in within the policy unless you have that big pile of cash that to pay the premium all up front you still have you have to uh, put some money towards that that premium and eventually you're going to have sufficient cash value right to that to hit that threshold and then you can you can extract it and then buy that uh, that rental property right mm-hmm.
3: C- correct yeah absolutely okay
0: so how long, so if somebody has like um like do you have any kind of numbers on in terms of um i know you guys run the maths so which is something i really like is that because people are very emotional and kind of like thinking about things differently and um but if you run the numbers i mean the numbers don't lie uh unless you make a mistake but uh you know uh, or use statistics um uh, but um You know, so so what? What's uh, how much money do you need to get started? How long if you have like let's say ten thousand dollars? How long does it take for you to buy, for example, to have a threshold of thirty or forty thousand dollars so you can buy your first uh, rental property or something like that?
1: Well, what I would say, like Cameron mentioned, we design this with the end in mind. Yeah. Right. So if somebody, you know, and we actually, again, in regards to the math, we kind of do the math on buying a property using cash or running it through a policy. So, but we're, we're we're very clear that this strategy we're going to be, if this was a race, like the rat race, if this was a race, we're going to be a little bit on the, in the back end of the race at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. But at the end of the race, we're going to, we might start the race towards the end, but we're going to finish the race in front. Mm -hmm. So there is what we call like a startup period or a slow start. And so people are focused on short-term results. This concept is not for you, right? But what we're saying is we want the end in mind. Just like Cameron said, we if you, you want to buy that asset, the asset's the goal. Yeah. Right. There's advantages running it through the policy. Sometimes the first one, we don't run through the policy, mm-hmm. right? Because the goal is to buy the asset and mm-hmm. that needs to come first. Yeah. But and eventually, but we got to store that money somewhere, whether we store it before we buy the asset or we use a cash flow from the asset. It doesn't matter. Right. So we're going to buy that asset. Mm-hmm. Um, it w- is going to be is going to be the the top priority. Yeah, And as, as far as the minimum goes, you know, what, what we tell people, I'll see the more money you put in, the more we can use. Yeah. But as far as a minimum, what we tell people, it's about 10 times your age per month. Mm -hmm. So let me do easy math for Cameron. (laughs) Right. So if you're 40 years old, right, that's $400 a month.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So that's That's what we would, would say is a minimum. Yeah. But if you want financial freedom, $400 a month, I don't care where you put it is going to be really hard to create that pie big enough. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The other thing, the other thing I'd say, Eric is uh, right. Depending on where somebody is, is how much you're putting into that investment, that account, that account dictates what you're able to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, Hey, right. Um, I've got clients. I've got a kid that goes to UNLV that puts in like 50 bucks a month, right? The opportunities that are available to him are a little bit less than somebody that's putting in 50,000 a year. Yeah, If we have a podcast, you referenced it, right? Half of our podcast is Anthony and I talking about kind of the ins and outs of this strategy, the pros, and certainly the cons is we're going to highlight those. But the other half of the podcast is us interviewing investment opportunities that maybe not a lot of people are aware of. Mm Mm-hmm. And those investment opportunities fall on every level of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. right? Hey, syndications, maybe you need a hundred thousand, right? All the way down to maybe you buy an ATM for two grand, right? And then that creates a couple hundred dollars of income a month. And so, (laughs) right, that's part of our process is hey, listen, we're going to educate you on kind of why this is a benefit, certainly in the long run. And then also, once we get you set up, is we're going to start to help you look at certain opportunities that may be available to you based upon the funding.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think it's less of a, an, an asset issue more than kind of the goal is really to get some cash flow at a certain point in time, and during that initial period, the kind of like the ramp up period. I mean, you don't necessarily need the cash flow. Uh, you need the cash flow maybe as a reserve in case some if you have a rental property, you know, mm-hmm. to pay some vacancies and maintenance and stuff like that. But the rest, I mean, you can put it back to accelerate accelerate the the ramp. And then until you get to a certain point where it makes sense to, um, you know, then you you have enough in there to, um, you know, to, you have achieved basically your goal, you have financially free, and then you can kind of like, you can step into the next level, you can ramp up or level up to the next, uh, the next set of opportunities that uh, was not available to you before.
3: Absolutely, right? People need to learn how to produce. Yeah. Right. People, uh, they only know how to go to work.
0: <laughs> well, exactly. Right. I mean, this is like and there's no but nowhere are they telling you, uh, except our podcasts uh, and others that uh, that are telling you how to do that. I mean, this is uh, definitely not taught in class in uh, university colleges or anything like that. They're just taught skills to go and work for somebody else. Uh, nobody's um, teaching skills on how to work for yourself and build your own wealth and and cash flow.
1: Yeah. No, and I was, I mean, I've been a CPA for over 20 years. I didn't really learn this till I I had to do this myself in 2008. Yeah. And I thought Wall Street was was the only avenue. Yeah. Uh, Then I knew that that avenue seemed like it's always under construction, And led to a dead end. Okay, (laughs) I just made that one up. Um, That's very good. Very good. But um, (laughs) once once I took the blinders off, yeah, and just kind of realize, open my eyes to all these other opportunities. Like, you know, real estate's one that's commonly talked about, but I'm a terrible landlord. I mean, I can't fix anything, and I'm too soft to collect the rent. Mm -hmm. So I. And and in my area, the houses are so expensive. I, we live in Las Vegas. I didn't know about turnkey real estate, that mm-hmm. somebody will manage it and do the tenants yeah. and do all of that stuff, yeah. right? Cameron had talk about ATM machines. We see ATMs everywhere we go. Yeah. Banks don't own them. Most yeah. of the time, it's a small mom and pop. So mm-hmm. we actually bought some ATM machines mm-hmm. and we, we've actually flipped raw land in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but I never even thought about these, but that's what's so great about your podcast and the people that are listening to it is there's a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah. I mean, you just gotta, but the problem is it's not handholding like your 401k. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've you, you got to take some time to get educated. You got to put a little effort into it. But that's how that's how the wealthy build wealth is buying yeah. assets. Yeah, but the the hand the hand holding
0: on the four hundred one k is I think they're leading you the hand that's holding you is leading you the wrong way. Uh, it's more it's like more like a, cattle um, going to the uh, abattoir than. Uh, <laughs> I don't
1: think it's more like a headlock, and every now and then they're giving you a noogie. Right? right, they're not holding your hand; they're they dragging you.
0: Yeah i mean they're attracting all this one k dollars so that they can they can take it from you in if they don't take it from you in fees they take it from you in on the on the trading floor so mm-hmm. that's kind of my that's my dark spot on the walls on oh,
1: total agreement yeah i mean
3: i i don't know if we're done beating up on that but yeah, right? no. you look at you look at kind of where my perspective was. I was looking at the generation. I was looking at my parents, right, when I yeah. first started saving money. Oh yeah, oh, and I got all of the same traditional advice. Yeah. Then I started looking at kind of where that generation was. Yeah. And man, that previous generation, baby boomers, they had the trifecta, right, of yeah. finances. They had low inflation, low taxes, rising stock market. Mm-hmm. And less than five percent have a net worth greater than a million dollars. Yeah, we we do not have that luxury of any of those three kind of mm-hmm. working That's in right. our favor, and so if you if that strategy, the traditional model, didn't work for them, it certainly is not going to work for us. And so that was kind of my epiphany, and like, hey, I need to do something
0: different. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So yeah. So it sounds like um. It sounds like a good model. At least you. Uh, you know. So you basically. Put your money in something that's uh, like, is it an IUL that kind of, yeah. uh, it's something different than that?
1: No, it's, yeah. this but is it's a, pro- a,
0: life, it's a life insurance product. Yeah.
1: isn't it? I, you're right. IULs have been around for yeah. what? 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to us, that's not long enough. Uh, yeah. we, we use, we use whole life okay yeah hold on yeah right and what we but it's designed very different in yeah. fact we just did a podcast saying this ain't your mama's whole life okay it's explained very different but like Cameron had talked about that's where you get those advantages mm-hmm. of the creditor protection the yeah. uninterrupted compound interest and the tax-free growth
0: mm-hmm. okay and then you build you basically pay your premium you build your cash uh, your cash value At one point, you haven't you uh, you're looking for an asset that makes sense. It it, it could be a turnkey rental. Uh, I mean, I can use that as an example, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, So you want it could be another asset, a syndication and stuff like that. That they have like a or crowdfunding at five k or ten k and stuff like that. You can put that in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's a turnkey rental, um, because I have a lot of people that uh, that invest in turnkey rentals right now, Um, so. So you have like $30,000 saved up in uh, in cash surrender value on your whole life policy. You can take a loan for, well, let's say you have more than that, but you can take a loan for $30,000. You have more than, you have enough cash surrender value to, to do that. You take a loan on your policy. Basically, your cash surrender value is being used as collateral for your loan, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, you, you go, Eric.
3: Spot on. You're doing better than Anthony. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then... So now you buy that property. So a couple of questions for you. So this, are you able to leverage still on your house, the house that you're buying? Are you still able to get a, a normal FHA loan on that thing because you've already borrowing against your whole life? Yep, you can. can. Okay. So there's no yeah. there's no restriction at that point for anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no. Okay.
3: The
1: loans are so you... the loans
3: on your policies are um, not reported to credit agencies,
1: right? Okay. And, you know, the prime example, I would, I, again, a big fan of turnkey rental properties and I bought one a year ago yeah. and the down payment had to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. I had to put the 20% down plus closing cost. Yeah. So I had to put in 25 grand, but I, what I did is I I took it alone from my policy Yeah, yeah. and the policy. So I, I technically have zero money in on the investment. Mm -hmm. Because I use the insurance company's money, that they use my policy as collateral, and I use the mortgage for 80%, and they use the property as collateral. So each month, uh, to be fair, some months haven't been so great. I mean, I had an eviction. You know, the great thing about the turnkey manager, I didn't have to lift a finger. Yeah. they got a new tenant did everything did all the repairs yeah. but what i'm doing is that cash flow from that property again i got to put it somewhere yeah. so i'm putting it again repaying that loan yeah and it'll it'll be repaid at some point i yeah. mean depending on cash flow mm-hmm. um so there's no obligation for me to pay it i can pay yeah. it at my, at my own pace but when that is Oh paid yeah off, so you
0: don't have to do a, a regular payment a regular monthly payment for that uh, for that loan
1: no, like what yeah. I do, whatever cash flow comes in. I mean, I have a separate bank account. Yeah. I, I leave a little balance in there because yeah. there's going to be repairs or vacancy. Yeah, yeah. But sure. every quarter when there's over that amount, I mm-hmm. take that and put it in my policy. Okay. And okay. there's been a quarter where the money wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't put it in the pro in the policy. But yep. I what I do want to do though, the very least, I want to pay the interest on the loan. Yeah. And the reason being is because that interest is tax deductible. Yeah, yeah. Like here, we. Uh, what is interesting about using this concept is we can literally create tax deductions. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm deducting the interest on the loan, but the, the key part is during this whole process, my money continued to grow. Yeah. Whether I use the policy or not.
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: when that policy is repaid, I'm going to have all the cash value back. Mm-hmm. All that growth is tax free, and yeah, I have one. I have one cash flowing property. Yeah. So you, you know what we do, Eric or Cameron says, rinse and repeat. Yeah, right. We buy. We have that money back. <laughs> we buy another property. <laughs> you know, if you listen to our podcast, Cam- Cameron was a little misleading when he <laughs> talked about our podcast. We talk about infinite banking and tax. Yep. Yeah. We talk about ways to create passive income. Mm-hmm. And Cameron talks about hair care.
0: I we don't have do too much we... to worry about. Unless your... <laughs> it's <laughs> what... hair, hair growth, then I can, I can uh, jump in.
1: Well, yeah. you know what? He's got. A, he has his own podcast for that. <laughs> uh, but the yeah. bottom line is, at the end of the day, I have all the money back in my policy, yeah. and I have one cash flowing property. So mm-hmm. I rinse, and repeat, and I do it again. And here's the cool thing. Now we have the cash flow from property one yeah. and the cash flow from property two. So in theory, yeah. we could pay that loan back twice as fast.
2: And mm-hmm. we rinse yeah.
1: and repeat. But the real goal is to create that passive income yeah. and- by using the infinite banking concept, not only will we increase returns but we're actually going to be lowering taxes.
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's something a concept that people don't uh, you know often don't realize is that when you have uh, an insurance product like that that the value of the policy is still is still there. You're just using it kind of as a collateral for the loan so you're taking a loan on that. But then your cash value keeps increasing, your value the value of the policy, everything is remains the same. It's on track. Uh, and then we're just taking a loan a, a, using that as a collateral, like you would another kind of asset. Mm-hmm. And then you can use that for something else. Uh on the turn in terms of the, the rental property, then you get your rent, you pay your operating expenses, you pay your mortgage, mm-hmm. and then you're left. Hopefully with a little bit of a cash flow. And that cash flow can go some of it could go to reserve. And then the mm-hmm. rest of it you would put back and pay uh, pay down at least the interest on your um on your on that, that loan that you took off your policy. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep, yep. I got that right. Okay, wow. Well, good. I'm a quick learner. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing too is uh so, yeah, as you mentioned, though, that if there are any kind of issues, let's say you don't get the the tenant, the tenant is not paying rent, Well, obviously you still have to pay. You don't have to pay property management. You still have to pay your property taxes, technically and insurance and all that, your other operating costs, and then you have to fix the place and then you still have to pay your mortgage. But then you have a choice and say, well, this month I'm not going to pay the insurance policy loan. Uh, because because I don't have the money right now. I'm just going to fix the place and get it tenanted again, right? Mm -hmm. So you you have a choice to – you don't have to pay that loan right away if you don't want.
3: That's correct.
1: Literally, the insurance company will literally wait until you die to get paid. Yeah. They're they're going to pay themselves eventually. Right? In the insurance company's mind, this loan is fully collateralized. Yeah. I mean, the risk is minimal. So, yes. if you just if you the long I mean so to them when they're always looking for safe places to store money, what's safer than a policy loan? Yeah. So that policy loan is a win-win to the insurance company and to the and to the the policy holder. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely totally agree. Uh, so, yes, I think it's time to wrap up now. I think we
0: yeah. uh, actually went a little bit longer than usual. So, uh, Anthony, Cameron, it was a pleasure. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, so there's one thing people, how can they reach out to you? But you also promised a special link for uh, to uh, Investor Wealth, uh, Infinite Wealth, I mean, uh, podcast mm-hmm. or the Infinite Wealth Consultant. I think you have some kind of link that you want to share with them.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We do. They can find us at infinitewealthconsultants.com. And then from there, we've got everything, all of our social media links and everything. Um, But kind of as you alluded to is uh, as a thank you for kind of having us on and your listeners for listening to the entirety of the podcast is uh, we do have an online course. And that course, as you can tell, is the strategy that we've been discussing. It does take some education. Mm -hmm. right? It does take a shifting of your mindset, right? And so typically people need some time to digest it. And so we are not pushy. Uh, We're not salesy. So if somebody logs into this course and they start to look around, what you're going to find is a whole bunch of the videos that we referenced today where we're actually going to do the math. And so we typically charge $500 uh, for somebody to go in there and get that. We're going to give you guys a free link here. Um, so if you use this link, it'll take you in there in exchange for your email address. We'll give you access. You guys can have full access to the course, look around and take a look. And um, if you guys have questions after that, there's a way for you to follow up and to reach out to us. But if yep. your listeners go to infinitewealthconsultants.com backslash away from the rat
0: race, mm.
3: That will take them to the landing page, where that will give them access to the online course, and they can enjoy themselves in there.
0: Oh, well, that's great! Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, thank you very much uh, again for all the sharing all this information. And I hope that uh, our listeners are going to go in there and uh, get educated. At the very least, get educated. Go to the website, un- understand more. Obviously, we only spend like you know uh, forty-five minutes or so uh, talking about it. It's important to go into the details and understand the strategy. It's a little bit more, you know, technically complex. You need a little bit more education. But once you get it, I think it's going to make a lot of sense. Uh, I I understood it, you (laughs) know. So thank you very much, guys. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. Thanks, Thanks. Eric.
1: Make it a fantastic day. Take care. Thank you for listening to Breakaway from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Breakaway from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.